0: I still saw my homosexuality as a narrative of adventure, a chance to cross not only sex barriers but class barriers while breaking a few laws in the process. Otherwise, I told myself, I may as well be straight. <laughs> and, um, I love that That's quote. Nice. Yeah, it's, I've kind of had it highlighted in my book for years and years and years. It's a book by Bruce Benderson about um, kind of an, an obsessive romance. Um, but it's interesting because in The Romanian, the guy he falls in love with is, a, is this kind of really uh, kind of impoverished Romanian guy. And just on a, a visit to Bucharest. And then it's kind of the book's essentially about how this guy slowly exploits and destroys him. <laughs> like, oh just God. keeps borrowing money from him and and takes kind of the love of this kind of benevolent Western white man who's obsessed with him and kind of slowly just takes everything he can from him. Mm. Um, autobiographical? Yeah, yeah, it's an autobiographical book. <laughs> it's phenomenal. It's a really phenomenal book. And I've actually used that as something I've thought about for a lot of different works I've kind of created, just about the idea that I'm... Um, and it's it's kind of uh, probably hinges a little bit on the difference between queerness and gayness, yeah. as well. Like even though I'm kind of a very binary person in a way that I think is probably becoming slowly antiquated, in the sense that I'm, I uh, only sleep with men, and I'm uh, cis male. Um, I still consider myself queer because of my politics and because of. Um, the kind of general fluidity that I'm interested in, <laughs> um, even if I'm perhaps not the best practitioner of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, and I guess uh, that's what I see kind of queerness as. I see queerness as kind of a political force or an agent of change or of um, mm-hmm. recognising the slippage between different categories of being and doing in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and I see it as kind of anti, like there's, there's kind of like a punk kind of yeah. anti-mainstream kind of like punk kind of bent to it. The homosexuals is like the story is about these uh, two wealthy middle class um, white gay cis men named Warren and Kim, who are. Um, uh, it's set on the night of Mardi Gras, and Warren is planning to go to a costume party, and the theme of the costume party is politically incorrect. So that's so he's got to try and wear the most offensive thing he can think of, as well the other guests there. And um, then in the kind of tradition of a classic farce, which is what the play is, it's like a really broad, totally, almost totally kind of paint-by-numbers farce, (laughs) Um, a radical queer academic turns up at the apartment um, and uh, they're caught in this kind of succession of incredibly offensive costumes, which they then have to pretend are their actual identity (laughs) or they have to try and and essentially pass as those things for the rest of the night. I really wanted to write a farce, because I love the form and I think I was having a conversation with another playwright friend about the fact that play at don't get written at all anymore and that um, one reason for that is because they're really, really fucking hard to write and I think most people just don't want the agony of trying to do it which is fair enough, after I discovered after writing one <laughs> and, um, but uh, I think the other reason is just that uh, a lot of, like, to take a flea in her ear, for example it's, it's a play and a lot of his plays were about... Um, Kind of bourgeois, kind of, or maybe more aristocratic people in French society who are essentially trying to uphold this idea of moral superiority and kind of good Christian values and the things you needed to succeed or be accepted in um, French society in that period. But also, they all just want to like fuck and have affairs, and that's what the, these farces always are kind of hinged upon. These are the stakes for the world: the idea that there's something that's really essential to them that they need to honor about their kind of carnal nature as human beings, and then, um, yeah, this kind of stuffy front that they have to uphold to be respectable. And that's not very applicable to life now because we're we're just a lot more honest about our desires generally. And so it's not really enough for the kind of uh, repression that needs to fuel a farce. And I was kind of trying to think about other contemporary uh, kind of spheres of life where that kind of repression is actually uh, a real thing. And I kind of started thinking about call-out culture and identity politics kind of within the queer world. And this rift that I kind of see uh, that's really opened up kind of in the last maybe like five years predominantly, particularly between um, gay cisgender and uh, uh, kind of trans people within the kind of gay rainbow, but also kind of like uh, white and non-white kind of groups. The the idea that um, particularly gay, white, cis men have reached this kind of point of political ascendancy where their voices can be heard very loudly in a very kind of mainstream sense through various media channels and the thing that they're kind of shouting for uh, most loudly is marriage, like this incredibly comfortable heteronormative institution, While a lot of other groups in kind of the gay rainbow were still in positions of just literally fighting for their lives or fighting for protection from violence and um, and or to have the barest kind of elements of their identity recognised um, in a mainstream sense. So uh, the stakes there are obviously incredibly different. But, um, but there are aspects of um, gay culture and the way gay culture has kind of evolved over the years that are by kind of contemporary standards really super problematic like the idea that kind of a lot of aspects of even like if you look at something like RuPaul's Drag Race drag queen humour can be incredibly based in outrage and based in offence and things like that which maybe historically has been an uncontentious thing because gay men were in positions of still of kind of relative social oppression there was kind of a kinship between different oppressed groups there but now that gay men are a lot more powerful and even have a TV show like RuPaul's Drag Race that's so major to kind of stake their identity in um, it's that kind of uh, humour that's tinged with transphobia or racism can really be seen, like, it's punching down. And I think a lot of gay men don't want to let get go of that or be told that... Or, you know, arguments about freedom of speech kind of come into that. What kind of currency do you think that... Like, political currency do you think that performance in theatre has? I guess, like, in terms of mainstream theatre, like a main, uh, like, theatre companies like Malthouse and Griffin, where the homosexuals is performed, like... There's the price tag on tickets means that it's not accessible to everyone, <laughs> that, like, it's it's predominantly going to be middle-class people that are coming to see the play. But um, oddly, because I think it's an this is a worthwhile play for gay men to see in particular, because I think it asks some difficult questions of the gay community and gay audiences, and gay men do go to the theatre. I actually see probably more than a lot of things I've made. I actually f- kind of see the potential for this play to sparks some, maybe by large number, some interesting conversations. It's like it's a very provocative play. It's a play that kind of draws a lot of lines and then crosses them. And I think the conversations about kind of power and about privilege and about the nature of allyship and who we are obligated to support and who we are not obligated to support, like and what we are, have the right to say and what we don't have the right to say, are kind of ones that I hope to play will kind of spark off. I guess, like, I never expect theatre to fucking, like, I don't think theatre will ever start a revolution (laughs) or anything like that. But I think theatre has the potential to plant seeds and to ask questions that, um, and ask difficult questions that I think um, can, uh, the answering of which can kind of maybe result in interesting little micro-changes for people. Yeah. I think there's value in that.